In the lead-up to the Genesis Foundation's 20th anniversary in 2021, the Artistic Minds series of 20 podcasts brings together leading figures in the world of arts and culture, including theatre, visual art and classical music. In this podcast, Harry Christophers, the conductor and founder of The Sixteen, is reunited with three alumni of the Genesis Sixteen Initiative, a young artist scheme which aims to nurture the next generation of talented choral singers and conductors and create a bridge from conservatories and universities into the singing and choral conducting profession. I'm here today with uh, three of my fantastic alumni from uh, Genesis 16. It's a project we started courtesy of the Genesis Foundation 10 years ago now, guys. And uh, here we have three representatives of those years. Sarah Latto, one of our wonderful conducting scholars, so the, the conductor amongst us. And uh, oh, actually, oh, I'm also a conductor, aren't I? I forgot about that. Uh, and then also uh, James Way, wonderful tenor, who James will come on to this later, but you would have been with me in Boston uh, this time of year. And Jamie Wright, uh, another wonderful singer with swingles at the moment, of course. Um, so, guys, I've got to hand over to you. Um, maybe start with James, because you are right back. The first Genesis ever uh, 10 years ago. Wow. What's it, what was it like and what's it like now? Yeah, I was trying to work out what year that started in without resorting to Google. And um, I think I had it right that it was 10 years ago as well. So that's good. Yeah, so I did that in the summer before I went to university. And I remember there was such a, I'm sure this still is now, but I think that year particularly, there was quite a wide gap of um, ages between people doing it because you had people like Eddie McMullen the famous Eddie McMullen countertenor, who um, now sings regularly with the 16. And uh, he, I think, was you know just nipped in. And then you had uh, sort of me and Angus McPhee, who I then went to university with, who sort of were just scraping in at the bottom end of that. So that was an incredible experience because there were some of us that were so, so, so green. And there were others that were very experienced already. And I think it was a real melting pot of ideas. Yeah, I did that and then went on to King's London where I uh, sang in a choir and did my postgraduate at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And now I, well, now, before uh, March, uh, I was a, a sort of freelance opera singer spending perhaps most of my career actually abroad. I guess most singers tend to because there's more music outside of the UK than inside. Singing a lot with groups like Les Affraissons, the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment here, obviously. A lot of Baroque music, I think that was always my first love and what partly led me to Genesis 16 as well was uh, the, the choral music and all of that. And then more latterly, quite a bit of contemporary music, a load of Stravinsky with the uh, ineffable Barbara Hannigan, which was also my last concert before lockdown coming back from Sweden. I think like many singers and, well, musicians, there are elements of relaxation that <laughs> occurred at that point. I only had I think 10 days in November in the UK was the longest I've managed between then and uh, and March. And since then, I've spent a lot of time. But it's been it's been a, a learning experience. And um, you were somebody, of course, who was really just on the brink of really, you know, you've, you've mentioned numerous of the things you were, you, you've been doing, which is fantastic. And your career was really setting off. But we'll come back to that in a minute. Maybe go on to Sarah. Tell, you know, tell us about, you know, 
what you've been doing? So I was, I think, on the fifteen sixteen Genesis, and I, I was the conducting scholar on that year. I think it was the second year that you'd run the conducting side of things. And yeah, as James said, I felt like there, it was a lovely place to meet lots of very talented young singers, and yeah, of all different ages. After that year, I think my my kind of cohort we felt particularly inspired because we loved working together and we got on so well. So I then created this group called Echo vocal ensemble which were born out of that scheme and most of the singers in our group are from that year that where we met together and we've been going for three years now and done lots of great things in the last couple of years which have been really exciting um, and yeah we just love singing together as a group so long long may it continue and we're trying to keep making it continue this year as well Aside from that, since doing Genesis, I've been working freelance as a conductor, worked also with Ex Cathedra up in Birmingham, with National Youth Choirs and, and various other organisations. So, yeah, part of a kind of portfolio career. That's great. Uh, Jamie, now, of course, uh, I can't remember which Genesis. Genesis 4, I think, probably it was. Cohort 4. I, I think it might yes. have been. I've just been trying to work <laughs> it out myself. I've never been good at counting back the years, but I think by process of elimination... I think it must be fourteen, fifteen. Yes, because you're. I mean, it's it's been fantastic for you, Jamie, because you you know you. I remember seeing you come in and take loads of photographs for us. You were sort of dabbling with various <laughs> things, and then then of course you're now a member of Swingles. But of course you are somebody that has has really made something sort of entrepreneurial out of this lockdown. Can you tell us something about that? It's been interesting. Of course, March hit, and and all of us in the industry, we suddenly thought, well you know, what on earth are we going to do? What can we do? And, and I, for one, and I'm sure lots of us were in the same boat, I just know that if I'd completely stopped, I would have gone completely mad or madder than I usually am. And what transpired with a, a colleague of mine, Tori Longdon, we just decided on a whim, let's try and put together a, a virtual choir. Um, we'd, we'd seen these these things, they're not new. And we just thought, let's try it. I've got some some MIDI instruments on my computer, I'll put something together. And I, we ended up settling on Vivaldi Gloria partly because it was it was out of copyright so we were able to do it quite easily so we 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 put together these tracks and we thought you know let's let's try and get 50 people just to do a, a little performance and it it struck a nerve i think um, a positive one at least um and within a few days we'd had calls from news news stations bbc itv and the royal philharmonic orchestra had said well do you want some players so it it sort of very quickly snowballed almost completely by accident and it, it sort of grew from there, and we've we've now developed into this community, uh, a global community of sort of seventy five plus countries around the world, of of almost twenty thousand singers, with with the sole purpose of connecting with with artists, artists now who are thinking, well, how on earth do I deliver things over Zoom? So that's been the thing that we've been um, investigating alongside our virtual choirs: is how do we connect over Zoom? How do we how do we still stay creating music, creating these you know rehearsing with you know plenty of amateur singers who are still wanting to to sing and perform and of course harry we we did a, a wonderful project fairly early on i think it was our only our third project with with the 16 and james mcmillan with with his gorgeous so radiant dawn you know still very much figuring things out but it was it was very clear by that point to the singers in the community that this was something that that wasn't going away it was they, they loved it and it was the ability that they would never have had they wouldn't have the opportunity to connect with the artists themselves. So this was an opportunity where, you know, sat on their sofa with a glass of wine in hand, they could they could ask you questions, they could ask James questions about the, the compositional process. We've had Charlotte Mobbs, uh, one of the singers in the 16, has come in and delivered vocal technique workshops. It's been it's been amazing and seeing the power that 
technology, which at the beginning of this whole process, we were all terrified of and have had to pick up very quickly. Seeing the impact this can have on people, particularly when they're isolating, has been amazing and certainly not something I expected to be doing however many years ago it was when I was doing Genesis. Let's have a bit of publicity about it. So where do people hear about it? Um, Well, the easiest way is to go to www.stayathomechoir.com, but we are all over the internet like a hopefully a good rash our youtube page if you want to see any of our videos is probably the way to go um, we've done wonderful collaborations with king singers we're doing royal philharmonic orchestra have kindly agreed to come back we're doing a christmas concert with them we've done things obviously with swingles and of course the 16 so i suggest you go and check out radiant dawn yeah. is, is the plug from me that's <laughs> it's it. fantastic Final isn't it? Plug. because you know let's not bit about the bush but this has been a really grim time i mean since since march when covid hit this country, it's for the whole arts industry, it has been something that's really hit us incredibly badly. And it's just brilliant to see us all sort of trying to find ways. We, we, we're challenged in more ways than one at the moment. And we've got to find ways around it because otherwise we won't, we won't survive. We won't survive financially. But more importantly, we won't survive emotionally. And I think that's really important. So actually, James, I want to come back to you because, you know, you, you're a singer. You're a start of a really good career. We would have been, we would have been in Boston now. I had actually got I had actually, you didn't believe me when your agent got hold of you say look uh, you want to sing tenor solos for Harry at the Hand on Hyden Society in Boston along with Carolyn Sanson, Yestin Davis, and Henry Waddington. And you thought it was a joke, I think. <laughs> yes, I, I was actually in a dressing room in Lyon about to go on and sing a slightly early seasonal Messiah with William Christie. And I have this bad habit, obviously, of, you know, just scrolling through your phone, whatever. To, and I try not to look at my emails because you can get both good and bad things. And, you know, it can affect your performance. But um, obviously, I was on my emails. And um, and I sort of read this email and it's hand on the hider. And I just like shut the front door. Um, <laughs> and my initial, my initial reaction was like, well, when Harry hears that Boston have tried to do that, he'll put the kibosh on it immediately. Um, <laughs> I thought Little administration you know, I'd asked for you <laughs> oh, <laughs> but anyway so I mean so what have you been doing because I mean I've been talking to lots of singer friends you know Mark Pavlov Chris Purvis Carolyn and all sorts of people who have found it really really hard they've you know thought right I could be learning that role and then they sort of think about it well actually that's probably might not happen actually it's probably not going to happen so why do I sort of start working on that now when it's not going to happen what could I be doing so how have you sort of worked to this period I mean I was very lucky in one respect in for lockdown that about the day before lockdown proper happened we me and my other half fiance now uh, made the decision to go down to Devon where her mum lives sort of partly because her mum lives on her own and we thought you know this is a horrible thing to be you know on your own but also what a nice place to spend time if this does happen um and so um I took a couple of scores with me one being for um Alcina which I was supposed to be covering in at Glyndebourne in the summer um I thought you know I don't think this is probably going to happen but I'd be really bad form if I got caught short without my score and couldn't learn my part and so I occasionally sort of looked at that at the beginning but I must admit I had very little drive I think like many singers to do to do um any work but that's just normal uh, no but to do any learning when it first struck um there was a sense of loss of the immediate gigs and and you're right it's very hard to sit down and motivate yourself in solitary sort of work when there's this sense that things uh, might not happen or won't happen and also there was a sense of yes there was a loss but I've been incredibly lucky that I'd had a very busy year up until that point and 
And it was a sense that I was suddenly in the UK for longer than I had been. And for those first weeks in March when stuff was still happening in uh, the UK, Natalie still had some concerts she was playing for. And I went and page turned for them. And I had this, this, suddenly I was free for stuff and it was sort of wonderful. And then it sort of got a bit more dark and sad that things weren't happening. That's, I think, when I struggled to to motivate myself to do stuff. I co-run a little song festival down down in Devon with Natalie that we do every, a long weekend every year. And we ended up, doing a sort of live stream amalgamation of performances from our singers for that which was something we had to work to and stream uh, because the internet in Devon isn't so good via 4G which was only at its best when on top of uh, from Natalie's phone on top of a stack of books and actually in a in a running shoe to get the correct angle um, so it beamed across the fields but no I, I my interest sort of went away from music I've always been very interested in like vocal anatomy and, and voice production and the, this wonderful uh, singing teacher that I don't know personally, but I've seen on social media a lot. He, he teaches mainly in the musical theatre world, but he's very incredible sort of vocal anatomist. Um, did some lectures online that I, I watched. I really enjoyed taking, you know, getting into the nitty gritty and just learning about that sort of stuff. And when we came back to London in May, I, I went and volunteered just uh, two days a week on a care of the elderly ward in uh, King's College Hospital in Denmark Hill, which is not too far from, from where I am. And that was... Uh, it's an amazing experience. I've met, had a, you know, almost greater life experiences mm. over the, I did that to about the end of August, um, speaking to people there than I'd ever had in my life. So that was something, it got me out of the house and it was something interesting to do. You felt like you were making some sort of difference, which I think as singers, as musicians, we felt our purpose perhaps had been stripped mm. from us. And so to find some sort of vocation or something to do, I think felt quite important to me. It didn't really matter so much what it was, but that's, that's where I found myself. And, and that kept me, kept me sane in many respects. And then occasionally I had to do a, a recording or something, little things every now and again. And it was a painful experience to hoik my voice up <laughs> from the depths of where it hadn't been used for a very, very long time. Yes, it's digging deep, isn't it? I mean, I think one of the things we, we always, in our Genesis courses, and right through, you know, from you, James, right through to Sarah's time in Genesis, you know, we would be often talking, Eamon and myself, about, you know, supporting your colleague, you know, tr- and, and trying to introduce you all to sort of different aspects of this phenomenal profession we're in. And it's fascinating to hear you all speak about things in, yes, there were dark times, but actually there's an amazing sort of you know, there's something positive that we can get out of this. Um, and Sarah, as a as a conductor with your group, obviously you haven't you know you haven't been able to do live concerts, but you've been busying yourself away. You know, ideas. I mean, the great thing with Sarah, everybody, is that ideas flow out of your brain like nobody's business. You, you're just conjuring up these phenomenal things. So you know, obviously, a lot of lot of lot of time's been spent thinking up ideas. Have you been able to sort of put some of them into practice and? Uh, what's so you know what's what's things been like for you yeah i spent the time doing a lot of fundraising for echo we were lucky very lucky to get um, emergency arts council funding um, and that meant that we could do some work we've done some work this year we we've, we've got together we've recorded we've filmed and we've been able to put out those videos and and still engage with our supporters so we've basically had to make things happen and it's been even harder this year than normal but Especially as a conductor in this industry, unfortunately, you don't get offered things very often. So you just have to make things happen for yourself. And it's that kind of entrepreneurial spirit that Jamie has proved in an amazing way. I think this lockdown, like I've been completely 
blown away by seeing the stay at home choir um from afar but um yeah definitely supporting you guys from afar Jamie because it's it's a fantastic initiative um but yes I mean I think that entrepreneurial spirit we kind of all have to do it now even singers like everyone has to and keeping these new ideas coming getting things online I'm quite excited because we've just got a new project which we're about to announce we're doing a Christmas project with Rydell Festival and two other ensembles which is Jesuado Six and uh, the Swan Consort and we're doing a 12 days of Christmas package with Echo and two other groups where people can buy this Christmas gift and then they receive a different carol or performance to their inbox or to their phone from Christmas Day to Epiphany, so over the 12 days of Christmas. So really excited that we've got that going, but as I'm sure you found, Harry, with 16, it's it's now about online and filming things and then kind of giving that as a content to your supporters, but it doesn't quite have the same effect, I think, as, as the live concerts, but that's kind of what we have to do for now. Yes, I mean, I think the whole live experience, as you say, nothing can replace that, but actually virtual content is a pretty good second best and I think what we've shown is that we're all trying to encompass that in a really bold and adventurous way it's interesting because you know obviously we're going to be in this situation for some months and it's maybe some years before the sort of music industry will get back to what it what we've enjoyed over the last few years I mean Sarah just mentioned Jamie and it has been entrepreneurial and I think that's what I've seen these fantastic ideas people taking on things that they never ever dreamt of I was in uh, in the Gresham Centre of the Voces 8 seeing all the Voces 8 people behind cameras doing sound it's absolutely staggering lovely that you're doing something with Jesuado 6 that's not sadly that's not a Genesis related group but it does contain three ex-Genesis people in it which is wonderful so three out of six is pretty damn good <laughs> Um, but Jamie, just going forward, how do you feel things will be going for you? It, it's such a difficult one, Harry. As musicians, we we have this creative energy, regardless of what type of music we make. In every genre, every position, we have this creative energy. And I think I'm a terribly optimistic person. And I think this scenario has put us into a position where we, we simply have to innovate. Because that's the only way... We have this energy, and James touched on it earlier, With we feel like this purpose has been stripped from us. But actually now is, is the time when we're all thinking, OK, what is my purpose? What, what can I do which still gets the energy that I want to get out into the world out there? And I think this is going to force really, you know, great, great innovation. And, and so many groups have done it already. We've talked about it with virtual content, with filming things to release live streams. I think there's, there's lots of possibility for that. But there's some wonderful, wonderful technology being developed there's things that amateur groups can come on and record a a thing in real time unfortunately only with five or six people at the moment but the technology is being built there's lots of very exciting things I think the key difficulty that I can foresee in so much that it's just simply my opinion is how many live streams can people watch at one time before you get sort of content fatigue because there's only one way of doing it that's sat in front of the tv or, or your laptop and you know, I love a good Netflix binge, but I'm not sure I could watch a concert every night. <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to force us to innovate. How? I don't know yet. <laughs> no, no, there are no answers either. But I, I think what's what's so encouraging for me is to see you three sort of exemplifying what we've done over the years in Genesis and actually going out there and doing something 
we've gone on about it being a very, very hard time. We've seen many, many people sort of leave the profession um, because they just cannot sustain them, their, their livelihoods, etc. And it is all about innovation. But, Jamie, you're quite right about just how much online content it's going to be saturated at some point. So we've got to be thinking of other things. And it, it's sort of shown that the, the smaller groups are the ones that have been really succeeding at the moment, smaller ensembles. That, of course, I think is a great thing because that's always been the problem in the past. Uh, people have gone for the big orchestras and the big choirs, etc., the big opera companies. But actually, it's smaller scale is probably, in, in a way, letting more artists in. I, I don't know. Would you agree with that, James? That I think when the classical music industry, is in, especially, has been very slow to uptake historically on sort of the video technology and, and things like that. And, and I think we've been forced to go through a, a, a number of stages very quickly from March with, with things from going straight online as, as we always had live streams. But my problem with live streams in and of themselves is that they're not, they don't really take into account the fact that people are watching solely on a screen they do you know you might have some interesting camera angles and stuff but it's never really looking at, at trying to bring something as a new new art form almost like a, a video f- purpose form and um, some of the stuff that I've seen online from Oxford leader particularly and I think actually from what the trailers that I've seen on Facebook uh, from the the new 16s um, choral odyssey is sort of bringing music in perhaps a more documentary style, including a lot of um, context and content. And I think that that is a way that when we're looking at putting music on the screen and it allowing employment for musicians as well and, and getting the arts out there is a really good way of doing it. And I think with the smaller ensembles, that ties in as well, because let's face it, when we go to a concert, we want to be able to engage with the people on stage. Um, and it's very different sitting in a seat, even somewhere as big as the Royal Festival Hall. You can choose who you're looking at. You can almost feel that you have a bond with, you know, one of the violinists or the oboe player playing a solo in a symphony or something, because you you form that connection visually with them yourself. And when you have a small ensemble on screen, it's much easier to, if you've got five people, six people, to feel like you maybe have that connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you all think? Do you think it's a time to sort of get out into the community, you know, as soon as we can, to start actually doing much, much more the width and breadth of of, uh, of the UK? Um, because I, I, you know, in my opinion, you know, touring is is it's not a thing of the past, but it's not going to be the same as it was. We feel very lucky in the 16. Actually, we've got a, a wonderful presence in the UK. But, you know, there's always room to do more. There's much more education that can be done, introducing of our world of music to, to youngsters of all backgrounds. You know, what do you guys feel about that? I guess one of the good things about the video performances is that it can be reached by anyone at any time. So that's one hugely amazing thing, as actually Jamie alluded to with Stay at Home Choir and reaching so many people across the world. So that's that's a major benefit of, of taking things online. But I also agree that, to use an awful phrase, levelling up, <laughs> that this, this could be an amazing time for that as well. You can do a kind of virtual workshop online, which has worked really well. Zoom sessions online with as broad a kind of diverse audience as possible, we've already run and have worked really well. So, so yeah, there is a lot of possibilities now. I, I love your, your point about the education side of things. And the, the phrase I keep hearing popping up is sort of democratising access. But I think in particular when it comes to the outreach and the education is that you're right, it, it becomes so easy for people to access in a way that 
you know, if, if a school wanted to hire a small ensemble to come and do a workshop, you know, there are, there are plenty of schools up and down the country and indeed the world that would never be able to afford some, um, you know, a, a specific workshop from a group that they might think would benefit their students. Whereas now we have the ability to create content that, you know, when we're talking about singing and singing technique and, and approach to music, that it, it's really evergreen. And we could make a video now and still be using it in, in a year's time, two years time, but also it, it does level the playing field. And I think now is a time where really looking at how do we increase our education offerings um, I mean, for me, it, I, I work as a, a, a workshopper with you know, London Youth Choir, National Youth Choir, as a conductor, and I, I, I see so much passion in in the young kids despite lockdown. This this time we've been given to think, granted with a with an undertone of panic of oh my god, what am I doing? This this time we've been given to think has has really allowed people to think. Okay, what do I want to spend my time doing? And while there's lots of downsides to this lockdown, I think there are going to be plenty of people that really discover a passion for for music and plenty of other things but if we can be meeting that need of of education and really getting that out to as many people as possible i think that's going to be a hugely important thing particularly as we i don't know what the term would be rebuild after covid Um, i think you're right i mean so all this online content has introduced this our world of music to many many more people which is fantastic for me the difficulty is when we get begin to get back to any sense of normality is how we then make sure those people actually do come to live concerts are not put off by the concert hall experience or walking into a cathedral because a cathedral is sacred a cathedral is historic in my mind and actually is is should be is is available to everybody it's how we can create that and i think that's going to be an interesting thing one would hope that actually as soon as this all finishes that everybody will flock because they want to get out and about and they'll want to see these people that they've seen online they'll they'll want to see them in reality in person how do you think we can help all that when we do get back to you know any sense of normality i'm not so i'm not so keen on the phrase outreach because i'd like us to feel as if we're all on a level playing field and we are just because the groups or the singers that I'm lucky enough to work with, we've spent half many years training and we, we know this music. But essentially, we want to perform on the same level as the audience. So it's not as if we're parachuting ourselves in and we're the, these amazing people. Like That's the opposite of what I want to achieve and what I think all of us want to achieve in, in this sector, is that we're, we're on a level playing field. Um, and if that can be at the heart of all of our work, I think that will help us to keep being accessible to everyone which we should be because it's just music i totally agree because i mean i think with genesis 16 actually try and use this as a platform to actually be much much more diverse to get to get our message out to many many more people in a concert hall and recordings are produced for audiences and i think it's it's very easy sometimes uh, to forget that what we are doing needs to be in my opinion anyway audience focused there's there's no point giving a, a performance of a piece of work that you as performers and a conductor are so utterly happy with but has completely forgotten the, that there's an audience there that have come for an experience to be communicated with to, to be engaged to leave feeling changed in some some way or, or another and and that is what the whole industry is about the music industry for want of a better word and when you're talking about different ensembles and, and orchestras, um, I think you're completely right that perhaps we need to spend more time thinking about our collective efforts towards the industry instead of going out on the you know the odd limb and making a 
brash statement uh, if you if you're the leader of a big orchestra or something or uh, but actually having this uh, communal effort and consideration of what we actually want to achieve the classical music industry we're a very small proportion of the entertainment business really and we can sometimes act a bit bigger than than what our reach is and what our audience is with classical music feels like it's the top sometimes of this hierarchical pyramid and it's very hard to for us because we value it so much and we spend so long training to to remember that we're we're a very small cog in a much bigger machine and within that we're not very good at saying what exactly it is that we want and and how exactly we're going to achieve it and i think this communication is 100 percent part of that do you, I mean, do you think this has been a sort of long overdue wake-up call for the whole classical industry? Personally, I, I do a bit, yeah. But over a year ago now, a little song collective that I um, run, we, we did a recording project to film some new songs for several voices and piano that we've commissioned. And the point of them was to film them in a way that was made for the screen. Uh, we had a residency down in Oldborough because song especially you know is often seen as this very inaccessible art form and um i sort of wanted this idea that that we had something a bit different and that i had this concept that's bigger than i had the capacity to follow through with of a sort of online virtual concert hall for songs specifically sort of inspired by the berlin Phils thing and also inspired by the fact that when classic fm put a video on their facebook page it gets millions of um of views and you think why are we not utilizing this capacity that Every young person in the world is on YouTube or TikTok and all these things. And, and we're just sat there like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll stream a concert once in a while and make no effort to make it any different to a normal concert. And so we filmed those in September last year and looking back and we only just released them, but it sort of felt worryingly prescient. I think it has been a wake up call, certainly in some of the perhaps more conservative realms of music that um, I spend my life moving in, I feel. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree. <laughs> Sarah, thoughts for the future? I'm afraid I'm only thinking about four weeks ahead at the moment, so I'm not sure how to answer that. What, what about you, Harry? What are your thoughts for the future? I've always maintained, I think this is something I've said to every Genesis course over the years, is that uh, at the various stages, every five or six years, you need to start reinventing your th- or looking at the group and seeing, you know, what can we do better? What are we not doing right? And this has been a major reinvention time. And as we've all mentioned online content and but trying to think of something different so you know our core odyssey series has been absolutely fabulous to do each program took a day filming i mean you you wouldn't do that in normal circumstances what i've found is incredible is that the help from everybody i mean everybody just loving the fact that somebody's in there doing something we're actually performing um and that's what i think everybody across the country is missing I'm very conscious of spreading the music that we do to a much wider public. It's not about dumbing down. And I see in you three people that have total faith in what they're doing. And I think that's the single most important thing. If you have total faith in your ability to do something really well, then the public will be there. You've just got to work sometimes a bit harder to make sure they they do come. And, you know, that's what the future holds for us to this wonderful online content that's getting to people all over the country. Communities are important to us. And uh, and it's so exciting talking to you three because, you know, you've got such enthusiasm. You've been so entrepreneurial. You've not been completely smashed by this pandemic. You've actually got on and done things, which is just phenomenal. 
So big, big thank you. And a big thank you to Genesis Foundation because, quite frankly, uh, I don't think any of us would be doing what we're, what we're doing with such conviction. And Harry Christophers was joined by the singers James Way and Jamie Wright and the conductor Sarah Latto. For more information about the Genesis 16 scheme, go to genesisfoundation.org.uk and follow the links to Partners and then to the 16. And to find out all about the 16 and their plans, visit the16.com. To listen to more podcasts in the Genesis Foundation's Artistic Minds series, do subscribe and consider leaving Artistic Minds a review. And look out for another Artistic Minds podcast very soon.